Good morning. Welcome to Central Church of the Nazarene. Of course, this is Christmas Sunday, and we are so glad that you can be with us the fourth Sunday of Advent. Tomorrow night's Christmas Eve service, one of my favorite services of the year. We are in this sermon series called Holidays, and the reason we we talk about it is because, as you know, sometimes this time of year, it can leave you a little worn out and tired. We've mostly been in the Gospel of Matthew. This week, we're going to pop into Luke's Gospel of the telling of the story. And I suppose if I had a title for this sermon, it would be traveling down a road you'd rather not travel. So in Luke chapter 2, we can read these words. In those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. Let me stop right there. One word from Caesar Augustus. That's all it took. One word for everyone to to pack up their stuff and go to their town of origins. This wasn't for a, 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 a Christmas gathering party. This wasn't a family reunion. This wasn't just a, a, a nice little getaway. No, the purpose, the only purpose for this census to be taken was that Rome could then determine how much taxes that village, that city owed. Rome was very efficient in collecting taxes. And when Augustus was the Caesar... He reigned for 41 years, which was a, a long time, and, and he would conduct one of these censuses every 14 years. And, and what would happen is everyone would go to their own town, and they would conduct a census, and then the Romans would determine what that town was owed, or how much, how much they owed in taxes. People didn't uh, uh, get a W-2 form. There was no 1099s. You didn't have to fill, fill out a 1040 back in those days. It wasn't that complicated. They determined what the village owed. Someone would then bid for the opportunity to be the tax collector. They would, they would make an offer, and what they would do is they would collect the taxes from their neighbors, and they would also take money for themselves that was, was required to be paid. So whatever was owed by, to Rome, the tax collector would take, and whatever the tax collector wanted to line their own pockets, the tax collector would take. It was a rigged system. And so you can understand why people hated tax collectors, because, because they were really ripping people off. They were taking whatever they deemed uh, uh, they wanted. And, and so, so they, would, they would take this money, and they would send it off, and, and they were viewed as these greedy money grubbers. And it all took place. It all started with the census. The census is what determined how much each village owed and how much each tax collector had to collect. The penalties for failing to show up to the census were pretty high for everybody across the board. Even the Roman senators, if if a Roman senator failed to show up to the census, he would lose his seat in the Senate. A rich person, if they owned horses, their, their, their horses would be confiscated. But if you're a poor person, like Joseph would have been, a poor person, the, the, a poor non-Roman citizen person like Joseph would have been, would have been in real trouble had he not showed up for the census. Not only could whatever little things they had be confiscated, but they could be beaten, they could be imprisoned, they could be turned into a slave if they didn't show up for the census. So, so Joseph had no choice. He had to go to Bethlehem. There was no getting around it. He had to go to Bethlehem. Now, usually, in the first century, they only counted the men. Women, women and children, they didn't count. They'd count the men. And it, you remember how, even in the telling, when the Gospels tell the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, they usually, at, at the end, tag, put a tag on Jesus fed 5,000 plus women and children. The women didn't count. And they didn't count them then, and they didn't count them during, during the census time. And so, 
If that's the case, you astute Bible scholars would say, well, then why go to Bethlehem? I mean, why did nine-month pregnant Mary make this journey if she didn't have to go? That's a, that's a question. That's a good question. Now, this is not a newsflash. I've never been pregnant. And so, so I don't know. Although sometimes Carla will tell me if I've been putting on a few pounds, getting a little pudgy. She says, oh, it looks like you're showing. Which, which isn't very nice at all. <laughs> you know, she, has, she looks nice and sweet, but she has a mean streak. <laughs> And so she'll say stuff like that. I remember, though, when she was expecting um, Alex. We were living in Bad Axe at the time. She was expecting Alex. And a lady in the church, a lady named, named Edna Stickney, her daughter comes to our church, uh, uh, Darlene Stevenson. Well, Edna gave Carla a big jar of her famous uh, uh, bread and butter refrigerator pickles. And Carla, one day, in one setting... She ate all those pickles. All of them. I mean, it wasn't a little jar. This wasn't a little, you know, Vlasic jar. This was a big jar of Edna's tremendous pickles. And she ate them all. And not surprising, if you eat a whole, you know, half-gallon jug of pickles in one setting, you're probably not going to feel great. And she was starting to feel as green as those pickles were. And, and I remember we were sitting in the, in the parsonage in our living room, and she looked at me and she said, Rob... If I ever want to get pregnant again, remind me of this night. I tried to, but we still had been. Um, <laughs> did Mary ever have those feelings? I imagine she did. I remember when Carla was, was expecting, when she was really close to, to having Alex, she didn't like, even, even when we'd go over in the car, when we'd go over like a little bump in the road, she'd say, oh, quit hitting those potholes. I said, baby, it's just it's a little bump. I said, we live in Michigan. They're all, all the roads are potholes. There's no, you know, this is us. Could, did, Mary, did Mary have such problems? She was going 70 miles. Depending on where, where they lived, around Bethlehem or, or around Nazareth, it could have been 90 miles, between 90, 70 and 90 miles. That's a long way. A long way to travel when you're nine months pregnant. So why did she go? Now, this is pure speculation. It, it, it may not have been this way. But census time was, was generally a time for political unrest. In Acts chapter 5, as Luke is telling the story of, of the apostles, he, he reports how, how there was a census and, and a revolt took place during the census. That was not unheard of. That was kind of common. Because during a census, the tensions were high. People were on edge. They had to travel to, to go to, to, to determine how much more they were going to pay in taxes. They'd already been been bled practically dry by taxes, and so they have to go to find out that they're going to pay even more. So that got people on edge. And, and so maybe, 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 Joseph was thinking that, that Mary would be safer with him on the way to Bethlehem than staying back behind in Nazareth. Maybe Joseph was once again being the protector of Mary and, and baby Jesus, Maybe he had determined that traveling to Nazareth, the, 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 the 70 miles, was safer, was the lesser of two evils. That, that going there would be better than staying behind. Maybe one of the reasons that Nazareth got his reputation of being a, a podunk village is that it was a village of troublemakers. And so it was better for her to be with him by his side than back there in Nazareth alone. Several years ago, we did, took a mission trip to, in my last church, to the Holy Land. We did a week in Jordan, 
and then we did a week touring in Israel. Well, our week in Jordan was spent in a town called Zarka, Zarka, Jordan. Has anyone ever heard of Zarka, Jordan? Probably not. Zarka, Jordan is not a, it's not a tourist attraction. The Church of the Nazarene has owned a, a church, has had a church and a school in Zarka since the, since the late 40s. This school had been there a long time. The church had been there a long time. And that's where we went. Now, you may not have ever heard of that town, but you've heard of one of its sons, possibly. In the early days of Al-Qaeda, uh, there was a guy by the name of El-Zakari. Do you remember him? He was really high. He was one of the high ups in, in Al-Qaeda. He was, he was killed by a, by a, uh, by a, a Nazarene bombing mission. <laughs> we flew and blew him down, boy. No. <laughs> by a United States uh, bombing mission in 2006. Well, we were going to his hometown. And, and his family, I told you the church of Nazarene had this property since the late 40s. His family was a neighbor. They lived in adjacent property to the Nazarene church. Probably still own it as far as I know. And he was not a good neighbor, as you might imagine. He wasn't happy that there was a Nazarene church adjacent to his property. And so he'd toss over garbage in their yard all the time. And he would just try to intimidate people. Well, he had been killed, but, but he was still kind of the, the favorite son of that, of that town. And we were there, a bunch of Americans, shortly after he had just been killed. And so we were working, we were kind of, it's kind of a, a little compound. It's not like we were unsafe. But on Friday, the day of, of, of Muslim worship, the missionaries were just a little concerned that we were there. And so they said, it'd probably be best if we use this day as our tourism day, we were going to be there for a couple more days after that and come back and work. But they said, let's use Friday as the day that we get, get out of town. And so that's the day we went to Petra and we got out of town because they didn't know if, you know, people would get stirred up on that Friday, knowing that there were so many Americans at the, at the church. So that's what we did. And that was fine. There was no problems. There was no issues. But it reminded me of what may have been going through Joseph's mind. Now, people are going to get stirred up. They don't want to be moving around. People were going to Bethlehem, but people were also going to Nazareth, and they were all going to be counting, and people were going to be upset. The song, we didn't sing it this morning, but we sing it at Christmas time, O Little Town of Bethlehem, How Still We See Thee Lie. It probably wasn't all that sleepy and still. It was crowded, crowded with angry, weary, traveling taxpayers, grumbling, you know, how much Rome, is Rome going to take? Taxes, 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 grumble, grumble, grumble. So Mary, Mary, Joseph were going into that. Or maybe it had nothing to do with all that. Maybe that's not why Mary went with him. Maybe it was simply because of the Holy Spirit's prompting. Maybe Mary was traveling to to Bethlehem simply because the Holy Spirit prompted Joseph and Mary both to go to Bethlehem. Because, of course, the Old Testament prophet Micah said, But you, Bethlehem, for Ratha, though you are small among the clans of Judah... Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. And so, so maybe it was just simply the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit that said, you know, you better go. If we pay attention, the Holy Spirit will prompt us too. Again, we're told that Joseph was a righteous man, a faithful man. And he was, was speaking to him, not just in dreams like he did, or not just through angels like he did, but I, I, I believe he probably spoke to him just like he does to us, uh, through nudges. That's, we call this God's providence, that God protects us, God cares for us, God nudges us, God, God shows us, if we're paying attention, the direction we need to go. 
Every time Carl and I have ever made a move to, to a new church, we've always been together and we've always just felt like that's exactly where, where God wanted us to go. And so I don't think it's unreasonable that, that Mary and Joseph would have had a similar experience, that, that Joseph would have gone to Mary and said, you know, Mary, I know this is crazy. You're nine months pregnant. You, you should probably stay here in Nazareth. But I just got a feeling that you should go with me to Bethlehem. And Mary would have responded, you know, it's funny, Joseph, that you would say that because I know I'd much rather stay here than travel that 70 miles. But, but I, think, I think you're right. I think I should go with you. You see, it, when both husband and wife are in tune with God and sense his direction and notice his nudges, that can be a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I think that's what was going on on there. One time I remember, I got a call. It was during district assemblies when I was pastoring Richfield years ago. I got a call from a district superintendent. And he's telling me about this church in Ohio. And he was telling me how great it was and blah, blah, blah. He said, why don't you just come and meet with them? And so I said, well, okay, sure. You know, I'll, I'll come and meet with them. And I got home. I said, Carla, I talked to this DS. He's from Ohio. He told me about this great church. I can't even remember what church it was now. Tell me about this great church, blah, blah, blah. And she said, what in the world were you thinking? We're not going there. <laughs> she said, you call him back up and tell him we're not going to Ohio. And, and, and she was right. We didn't, we didn't need. When you, fellas, when you have a wife that is tuned into the Holy Spirit, you need to listen to her. And wives, when you have a husband that's tuned into the Holy Spirit, you need to listen to him. That's what was going on here. And so for whatever reason, Mary, nine months pregnant, joined Joseph and the two of them went to Bethlehem. Political, loony as can be. And was so paranoid and ended up killing all the boys around Bethlehem because of, because of the word that the baby was born there. So I'm not even talking about him. There was, there was, there was trouble all around. And eventually Mary and Joseph and the baby had to, to, had to flee to Egypt because of all that. The political climate was not good. That's the point. And maybe you're sick and tired of the politics around here today, too. Well, I got to tell you, first century would have, been, would have been probably way worse. All right, let's pick up the story, verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. Let me stop there again. Remember, the sermon title, we're traveling down a road we'd rather not travel. Literally, the road between Nazareth and Bethlehem is about 70 miles, maybe a little longer. So depending on, on where you lived, it, you had to make that travel. Now, now a lot of times we'll see uh, uh, Mary and Joseph traveling, you know, all the pictures, all these have them on a, on a, on a donkey. Uh, the Bible doesn't say they had a donkey. Mary's always, you know, kind of side saddle riding. I don't know if you'd want to ride side saddle for 70 miles. Uh, the Bible doesn't say there was a donkey. Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. They certainly didn't have, you know, some kind of fancy SUV with dual control, temperature controls, and heated leather seats. They didn't have that. And it could have been that they were just walking those 70 miles. Maybe their mode of transportation was their own two feet. It would have been a tough, difficult road. Again, I told you, people were, tensions were high. It would have been a dangerous road. There were usually, usually bandits along the way, especially during census time, because people had a little extra money that they'd have to pay the tax collector. And so, so usually it wasn't unheard of for people to be, to be beaten or robbed or worse when traveling such a distance. And of course, of course we know, we know that, that they, people would have been all, you know, you get bent out of shape when you travel from here to wherever, you know. And you can say, well, 70 miles, what's 70 miles? It's, you know, even with a bathroom stop at McDonald's, I can get there in less than two hours. 
Not, not so for them. If you were a track star, you could probably make it in three days. Some estimate that, that, that Mary and Joseph took them nine days to travel that 70 to 90 miles. Nine days on those roads. One time, maybe I, maybe I told you this story. One time we were coming back on Christmas Eve from Kansas City. You know, when we were in Kansas City, we'd always come back to Michigan for Christmas. And one time we left right after the Christmas Eve service. So I blew out my candle, I said amen, and we headed out to the car to head to Michigan. Well, the roads were, it was snowy, snowy that, that Christmas Eve, and the roads were terrible. And so we didn't get very far. We got even uh, on the Missouri side of St. Louis, and we said, you know, it was about midnight. We said, let's just, let's, just get, let's just get a hotel, and we'll stay here, and we'll get up early in the morning and go on to Michigan. So that was the plan. So I pulled off right at midnight, Christmas Eve, and I was going into a day's inn outside of St. Louis. And as I'm walking in, it dawned on me, I'm walking into an inn on Christmas Eve at midnight. And so Carla and the boys were still out in the car. So I went in and there's a, you know, a clerk at the, at the front counter and I said, hey, my name's Joseph, Mary's on the donkey, and, and, and we were wondering, is there any room in the inn? I thought that was hilarious. He didn't crack a smile, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't do anything. I said, no, we don't have any room, that was it. Okay, I just wasted a great joke on that guy. The travel wouldn't have been, would have been very, very difficult. That's the point. So political tensions high, terrible. Travel, terrible. Let's read on. They were pledged, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a a child. Again, traveling a road, you'd rather not travel. You've heard enough sermons about Christmas or during this time to know all of the snide comments, the innuendos, the whispering behind their backs that went along with, with uh, the, their, their pregnancy. Probably even on that road to Bethlehem, people were saying, don't complain to us about the travel, Mary. If you two had waited, then you wouldn't be having this problem. Don't compl- complain to us about having to go to Bethlehem, Mary. You don't even need to come for this, for this census. It's only Joseph's job. You could have stayed back in Nazareth, so don't complain to us. It's, it's wonderful when people give you their opinions over things that they know little about. And that's what was going on probably for them. Sometimes it happens, you know, pastors and everybody. Not here, but some places. Pastor, it's too cold in the sanctuary. Pastor, it's too hot in the sanctuary. Usually, this is what I found. Um, you know, opinions are like noses. Everybody has one. That was what was going on. On the road to Bethlehem. And again there would have been the problem, not just of the travel problems, the travel worries, but just from a healthcare side. Uh, the baby, what if the baby decides to come on the way between Nazareth and Bethlehem? What, what, if, what if there are complications? What if we're out in the middle of nowhere and that's the time, you can't, you can't stop a baby from coming when a baby wants to come. What, what, if, what, if, what if all of those worries had to be weighing heavy on Joseph and Mary's heart? Let's read on, verse 6. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. We all know this part of the story. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. We know all that. I guarantee you, when the angel came to Mary, said that she was going to have a baby, a very special baby, Savior of the world. When Joseph had the dream, then the angel showed up and said, listen, everything Mary said was true. She's going to have a baby, a very special baby, the savior of the world. You're going to name him Jesus. They did not envision having that child in a barn. 
And I don't know what they would have thought would have happened. They're carrying the, the Messiah. Maybe, maybe uh, the, the, some, the Lord will open that up so he would be born in a, in a palace someplace or a mansion someplace or, or whatever. But it wasn't a barn. It wasn't putting, putting the Messiah in a, in a feeding trough. That wouldn't have crossed their mind. Not in a million years. So if you're keeping score there in your pew, it seems like almost every verse of this Christmas story, there's problems. Political problems, travel problems, family problems, health problems, poor financial problems. Every verse oozing with problems. Well, that's great, Pastor. What what does that have to do with me? Misery love company. That's not the point. I I think even the most faithful, like Joseph and Mary, would have, would, have, would have been asking some questions. Was this the way it's all supposed to go? This can't be the way it's all supposed to go. Have you ever asked those questions? If not, you will. Lord, maybe I got my wires crossed. Maybe I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Maybe, 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 maybe something happened. Maybe we, we didn't really understand. You see, in in the journeys of life, I'm not telling you something you don't already know. You know this. In the journeys of life, like the one that Mary and Joseph was on, it may leave us at times questioning what God is up to, doubting that that he's hearing our prayers, wondering, will God work? I don't know how God's going to work. Is is God punishing us for this circumstance? Is Is he mad at us? Did we do something wrong we didn't even know? See, when we're traveling a road, we'd rather not travel. Those types of feelings and thoughts can enter into our, our heads. But God's promise is that we're not alone. We may walk in, in through the darkest valleys, but he is with us. One of the most loved psalms in, in, of all is the 23rd psalm that has that, that verse that reads, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Why will I fear no evil? Because you are with me. Mary and Joseph weren't the only ones to travel a road uh, they'd rather not travel. Noah, stuck on a smelly ark for months and months and months. Adam, uh, Abraham and Sarah, uprooted from their retirement and, and had to travel from Ur to the, to the promised land. Moses, stuck leading those whiny, crybaby children of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness. Ruth and Naomi had to try to navigate life without their husbands. The Bible is full of those stories. You know, Job, would Job have wanted to travel the journey he was on? No. What? Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember Jesus' words. My father, if it's possible, take, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Lord, I'd rather not travel down this road. Maybe you've said that. Maybe you've thought it. Maybe you're thinking it now. And the truth of the matter is God knows exactly what he's doing. He always does. And God, through the prophets, I already read from Micah this morning, God, through the prophets, let it be known that this was all part of the plan, that God knew what he was doing, that God is at work, that God was in control. God God was moving here. And God knows what's going on in your life. He knows your hurts. He knows your struggles. He knows those health concerns that have you worried. He knows those stressors. He knows your, 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 your worries about your family or your finances or, or even your faith. God knows all about that. And can I tell you, like Mary and Joseph, he will come and he will be with you and you can trust him. See, in spite of all those problems, did God abandon Mary and Joseph in the, in the stable? 
Absolutely not. What did God do? You remember what God did. Mary and Joseph have the baby, healthy baby, happy baby, in the trough, but you know, he's healthy. They're far from home, but he's healthy. This isn't the ideal circumstance, but he's healthy. Maybe they were questioning what in the world's going on. Here we are. No one in the whole world knows that we're in this barn. The Messiah is born, but not a, not a soul knows it. Maybe, Joseph, we did get things mixed up. Maybe we weren't supposed to be here right now. I mean, we're glad that the baby's healthy, but, but jo- Joseph, maybe, maybe we got some things messed up. And what happened? Even if they were having their doubts, I don't know if they were, but even if they were, when those shepherds showed up, starting telling the story that they saw angels and and, 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 and a whole heavenly host, and they were all praising God, saying glory to God in the highest. I, I think those doubts were just instantly chased away. If they were thinking, could this be possibly be God's plan? Could, could, could this possibly be what God is up to? Maybe we didn't get it all right. Maybe the angel didn't come. Maybe, maybe. but then those, those shepherds come running in, raucous, loud, noisy shepherds. Glory to God in the highest, yahoo! I don't know if they were hillbillies or not, but I just always think that they, probably, probably from southern Israel, I don't know. Point is, God is in control. You can trust him. Even when it looks like the situation is not in control, even when it looks like, 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 like God couldn't possibly be involved, God, God knows you, knows everything about you, knows what you need when you need it. I believe that God is at work in your circumstances. I think one of the joys of heaven, again, I don't, I don't have any Bible to back me up, so I could be totally wrong, but I think one of the joys of heaven is we're going to get there and we're going to see how God intervened in times when we didn't even know it. How God stepped in and, and rescued us or saved us or helped us, and we just kind of were just driving care, you know, carefree along, not even aware of the things that God was doing to protect us and help us in our life. I guess, I guess this morning on this fourth Sunday of Advent, what I'd, I'd like to be like those hillbilly shepherds and encourage you and tell you God is at work. And maybe you've gotten bad news. Maybe you've gotten bad news even this week. I want you to know God is still at work. Bad news doesn't change God's working. Bad news gives opportunity for God to work even more. And you can trust him. Just as Mary and Joseph maybe were scratching their heads saying, this cannot be the plan, it totally was the plan. And God, can, God is at work in your life. And, and God loves you. And God cares for you. And God wants you to experience Emmanuel, God with us. So Lord, we're putting our trust in you, that you'll give us the strength and the help, everything we need to face another day. Thank you, Lord, for how you're working. Bring us back tomorrow night for a great Christmas Eve service. In Jesus' name, amen.